Welcome to Evangel Church, where we believe in seeing changed lives changing lives. Hallelujah. Amen. God is so good. I want to make you aware of a couple of things. We have a special person in our audience today. We have a member of our church, longstanding member, that hasn't been able to come since October because of multiple reasons. But Elmer Geiger is here this morning, and it is his birthday this morning. He hasn't been here since October. Happy birthday. Glad to have you with us. Welcome home. And I also want you to know that last week we started a four-week teaching right after second service called Catch the Vision. Last week was the first week. This week is our second teaching. It's going to be after second service in the gym. It's called What Do We Believe? And it's our way of introducing you to our church and letting you know who we are as a church, what we believe in. Last week, Pastor Chris dealt with the heart of the house, who we are as evangel church. Today, you're going to know our beliefs what we believe about God, about the Holy Spirit, about Jesus, and all those things. So if you'd like to be a part, even if you haven't signed up, just come over to the gym. We'll have a nice lunch together, and Pastor Ron will bring the word. Amen. Excellent. Well, today I'm finishing, I'm doing part two of our message on life hacks. Life hacks. I'm excited to preach. The title of my message today is called The Beauty of the Process. The Beauty of the Process. And it seems like a very odd title because... How many know that the things that you go through, the processes, the trials, the struggles, oftentimes we wouldn't categorize them as beautiful, right? We wouldn't give the name beauty to them. But I truly believe that as your pastor and one of your pastors, that it's our job to stretch us. It's our job to grow us and to introduce to you how to begin to perceive the things that we walk through differently. How many know that as Christians, we're not meant to stay as children? Amen? We're meant to mature in the faith. We're meant to grow. And so part of the message today is going to stretch you. I just want you to put your seatbelts on with me. And allow God to stretch you this morning. Because I believe God wants to set us right. I believe God wants us to think differently. You know, it's so funny. When you think of life hacks, life hacks are meant to make life easier. A microwave is a life hack. It was created by mistake, but it's a life hack. It's meant to make you have your food quicker, heat up your coffee, make popcorn, whatever it is that you use it for, right? But how many know that easier is not always better? That's the truth. Easier is not always better. How many here would rather eat a steak cooked in a microwave than on the grill? Not so much. We might do it out of necessity, but if we had our our choice, we'd turn the grill on any day of the week. But the grill requires a process. It requires it going a little longer than the instant response that we're used to. And so the word process has that piece in it where we need to understand that things take time and take, take, things take journeys. And oftentimes, if you were to think of the things that you're going through, even right now, some of you are going through some very difficult things. You would not attach the word beauty to it. So she doesn't know what she's talking about. It's not beautiful. It's difficult. It's hard. It's strenuous. And all that is true. It is difficult. It is hard. It is strenuous. But I believe that Jesus is challenging us this morning to see things a little differently. How many know perception is everything? How you perceive things has a lot to do with how you walk through things. How you view things has a lot to do with how you process through them. Israel arrived at the promised land in 11 days. 
11 days. Five million people made it to the promised land in 11 days. They sent 12 spies into the land. All 12 came back, gave the same report. It is everything that God said. There's milk and honey. It's blessed. The fruit is unbelievable. Everything like God said. But 10 said, but there are giants there. And they're huge. And we can't take them. As a matter of fact, when we saw them, we felt like grasshoppers. And then the Bible says, and so they became grasshoppers. See, their perception created something in them. How they perceived the giants and how they perceived themselves made them grasshoppers. Do you recognize that they could have said, yeah, we saw the the giants and we felt like lions in front of them. And the scripture would have said, and so they became lions. But their perception created for them their reality. Two of them said, yeah, they're they're giants in there, but we can take them. But the two couldn't convince all of them. And so Israel wandered for the next 40 years because they didn't have their head on right. They didn't have their head on right. They wandered for the next 40 years. And of all the people that made it into the promised land, it was only the two that had their head on right that made it in any way. The others didn't make it. Perception is everything. How you view things, how you see things, how you enter into things. Perception will determine what you're walking through, that what you're walking through, either you're going to grow or you're going to shrink. Either you're going to get stronger or you're going to get weaker. Your perception will do that. And so Jesus sets something in motion for us. He says, in this life, you will have trouble. He made a very blanket statement. In this life, you will have trouble. Some of you in trouble right now. And if you're not in trouble right now, you just came out of trouble or you're going into trouble. But in this life, you will have trouble. He didn't say maybe. You will. And if that ends right there, church, everyone pack up your bags and go home. Because we have the hope. But I'm so grateful for the next sentence. He says, in this life, you will have trouble. Be of good cheer. I, Jesus, have overcome this world. Be of good cheer. I, Jesus, have overcome this world. See, Jesus is setting a mindset for you. You're going to have trouble. You're going to have struggles. You're going to have difficulties. You're going to have problems. They're going to come. But be of good cheer. I, Jesus, have overcome this world. And let me tell you something. Since Jesus overcame it, he's given you the ability to overcome it. He's given you the ability to overcome. He didn't overcome for himself. He overcame for us. He said, be of good cheer. I, Jesus, have overcome. I have overcome, and now you can overcome. Nothing is going to come in your life that can take you out. That's the truth. Nothing is going to come in your life that can take you out except you. He has given you everything that you need to overcome whatever comes your way. He's given it to you. He's given you the grace. He's given you the power. He's given you the anointing. He's given you the word. He's given you the Holy Spirit. 
He's given you an arsenal in front of you. Nothing is going to come your way. No trouble is going to come your way. No circumstance, no trial, no difficulty is going to come your way that can take you out. Because Jesus has given us all things. All things. I want you to learn this concept today. The concept is Father Filtered. And I've shared it before, but I'm going to break it down a little bit more today. Father Filtered is this. That once you become a child of God, God is your father. Any children of God in the house today? Amen? You say that proudly, right? We're a daughter of God, a son of God, right? And so because we're the children of God, God becomes our father. And there is a filter over our life. Let me tell you, nothing comes in your life that surprises God. God's like, I don't know how that got there. God knows. God filtered it. The Bible says he'll never give you more than you can handle. Why? Because God filters it. Nothing surprises him. He's not taken off guard by your, by your struggle or by your hard time. He filtered it. Sometimes he brings it. Sometimes he allows it. Those are the two ways. He either brings it or he allows it. But ultimately, it doesn't really matter whether he brought it or he allowed it. He's going to use it. He's going to use it. And this is where the beauty comes in. Whether he brought it or whether he allowed it, he's going to use it. What is he going to use it for? He's going to use everything that comes into your life to make you into the image of Jesus. Everything. You know, we get confused. We think we became Christians to become better versions of ourselves. Can I tell you that's not true? It's not true. Jesus didn't come to make you a better you. Because me on my best day, I'm rotten. You on your best day, I love you. But you on your best day, you're rotten. On our best day, we're rotten. Is that true? Can we talk honest today? On our best day, we're rotten. Jesus didn't come to make me a better me. He came to make me him. He came to shape me into him. He came to teach me how to love like him. He came to teach me how to care like him. He, he came to teach me how to have a character like him. So everything that comes into my life, whether he brought it or whether he allowed it, is made to shape and fashion and twist and push to make me to be like Jesus. And when you begin to understand that perception, when you begin to understand that, then you begin to see the beauty in the process. Then you begin to understand a little differently. You say, Lord, this job is like working in hell. My coworkers are terrible. They treat me awful. But what are you trying to do with me, God? See, that's the perception that's different. Understanding that's different. It might be terrible, but God is in control. He's allowing you to walk through it. So what is he trying to produce in you? What is he trying to change in you? Is he trying to teach you to love people that don't act lovable? It's easy to love people that are nice to you. Love them when they're not nice. Love them when they sabotage you. Love them when they want to hurt you. That's Jesus. That's not a better version of you. That's Jesus. God, what do I do with this child? I'm going to get arrested. I'm going to kill the child and go to jail for murder. But God, what are you trying to teach me? You're trying to teach me to be a father like you. 
You're trying to teach me to love like you. You're trying to teach me how to give grace like you. See, everything that comes our way, if we put the right perception on, the right understanding on, now we understand I'm walking through this mess. But the goal is to make me like Jesus. Because the scripture says he works all things. Not some things, not half of things. All things together for good for those that love him and are called according to his purpose. So he's at work in it. He's at work in it. I might not like it. It might be painful. It might be difficult. It might be heartbreaking. But in it, we serve a God that can produce beauty from ashes. You know what ashes are? They're nothing. Things that have been destroyed. But in it, God can produce beauty if we'll understand what he's doing. God, I now understand that there's beauty in this process. You're not trying to make a better me. You're trying to make me like you. And so there's a breaking. There's a stretching. There's a hard time. You find out how truly not like Jesus you are. You ever realize that? You do something in the midst of a difficult time, you go, wow, that was terrible. (laughs) I didn't know that was in me. Yeah, everyone looks perfect when there's no pressure. Everyone looks great when there's no struggle. Put some pressure. Start making people uncomfortable. Start, start feeling like something you're entitled to has been taken from you. Start feeling like a victim. Things are coming at you. You will find very quickly how much like Jesus you're not. But that's okay. Because in that moment is when you yield and you become like him. It's in that moment you say, I don't, I don't do this, Jesus. You're going to have to help me. I don't know how to do this. And you allow his spirit to shape and fashion into the image of Jesus. See, that's the beauty of the process. And so today we're going to look at a story together. Open up your Bibles to the book of Daniel. Daniel chapter 6. Hallelujah. As you open up your Bibles, I want to tell you that there, we all walk through these things. And the hope is that we come out like Jesus. But how many people know Christians that actually don't come out better? They come out bitter. They come out angry. They come out frustrated. They come out cold. And the reason is very simple. The arsenal that's put in front of them, they don't grab a hold of. The arsenal that's put in front of them by the Lord, they don't grab a hold of. So the circumstance actually hurts them more than it helps them. My prayer today is that each person in this room would say, from this point forward, whatever comes my way, I'm going to come out better. I'm going to come out more like Jesus. doesn't matter what it looks like. It doesn't matter. I'm going to have my head on right. And whatever the circumstance is, I'm going to come out better, not worse. Amen? Amen. Amen. So here we are in Daniel chapter 6. And the Bible says that in this point, Israel are captives in Babylon. And the book of Daniel is considered a major prophet because it goes over the span of four kings. And everyone knows King Nebuchadnezzar. That's the most famous king in the book of Daniel. But there is another king, and there's three other kings. Actually, the king we're talking about today's name is Darius. And as they're writing, Israel are slaves. They're slaves in Babylon. They're prisoners. They've been there for many years. And Darius begins to say, I want to put together a government. I want to begin to establish governance and rulers and 
this kind of thing. So he begins to look among the men and find the smartest men and the ones that are accomplished. And in the midst of that comes this Jewish boy. And he stands out because he's anointed. He's a man of God. The favor of God is on him. The power of God is on him. He's wise. And he begins to rise up. And the Bible even says in in Daniel chapter 6, verse 3, it says, Then Daniel distinguished himself above the governors because of the excellent spirit was in him. And the king gave thought to set him above all things. And so here Daniel is, and he's shining above all the Babylonians. The Bible says because he had an excellent spirit. Mark that in your heart. He had an excellent spirit. And so the king says, you know what? I might set him up over everything. I might make him the governor over everything. Well, that didn't sit too well with all the Babylonians. They were not happy with this Jewish slave being over them. They didn't recognize the favor of God. How many know favor is not fair? It's just favor. Amen? So the favor of God sat on Daniel. And sometimes as believers, we think we have to explain favor. We don't. We're children of God. God gives us favor. That's how it is. That's a privilege of being his daughter or being his son. We don't have to explain it. And it's not fair. It's favor. And so Daniel's given favor by the king. And so the others begin to set a plot in motion. And they say, we got to trip him up somehow. We got to figure out a way to trip him up. And they begin to search through his life. And the Bible says they could find nothing. How powerful is that? How about that? Someone searched through your life and the answer is they can find nothing. They can find nothing. So they say, we know how to trip him up. We're going to trip him up in his faith. We're going to trip him up in his faith. They go to the king and they speak to the king's ego. And they said, Darius, we have a plan. We've met together and we have an idea. We think that for the next 30 days, nobody should pray or talk to any other God but you. We think you should sign it as a decree. And if anybody does it, they should be throwing the lines down. Well, Darius loves the idea. So he writes the decree. He signs it. And then the Bible says in verse 10 that Daniel hears about it. It says, now when Daniel knew that the writing was sealed, he went home. And in his upper room with his window open towards Jerusalem, he kneeled down on his knees three times that day. And prayed and gave thanks before God, as was his custom since early days. So Daniel hears the decree, and Daniel does what he knows to do. He can't pray to any other God. There is only one God. There is only one God. And Daniel prayed to him every day, three times a day. So Daniel goes to what is customary to Daniel. He gets on his knees and he begins to pray out to God. The men see him. They now have him breaking the law. They run to the king. They say, Darius, someone has broken the law. He says, who is it? He says, it's Daniel. You have to throw him in the lines then. Darius is very upset. He loves Daniel. So he tries to procrastinate. He doesn't do anything right away. He doesn't do anything the next night. But the men keep pushing him. So finally, Darius takes Daniel and he says, Daniel, I have to do this. And then he makes this incredible statement. He says, may the God that you serve continuously deliver you. May the God that you serve continuously deliver you. This ungodly king recognizes 
And he says, I have to do this. I'm getting pressure. But your God that you serve continuously, he's going to deliver you. He takes Daniel. He throws him in the lion's den. They put a huge rock over it. He seals it with his ring so nobody can break the seal. And they wait. They go all night. The Bible says Darius doesn't sleep. He doesn't eat. He has no music playing. He is lamenting. He is waiting for the sun to come up. The sun comes up. Darius runs to the tomb. He moves away the rock. And he yells down, Daniel, was your God able to save you? Can you imagine being in that room and all the air just waiting for someone to answer? And then Daniel goes, King Darius, live forever. King Darius, live forever. God sent angels to shut the mouth of the lions. I am unharmed. I am unharmed. Amazing. And then King Darius throws a party for God Jehovah, for the God of Daniel. He throws a party. He gives honor. He gives homage. He gives worship to the God of Daniel. It's amazing. But I want to look at this story a little further because it's a miraculous story. But I want to pick it apart for a second. Here's Daniel as a slave, as a prisoner in a foreign land. He is physically trapped. But then you have this weird sentence that says he had an excellent spirit. In the midst of unbelievable, he's imprisoned. He's a captive. His future is dictated to by somebody else. But he has an excellent spirit. That means Daniel had his perception right. It means he might be physically a prisoner, but he knew he was nobody's prisoner. He knew that God had his life. He knew that God was in control. He knew that God was faithful, and he was going to serve God, whether he was in stockades or whether he was walking free. He was going to be the man God had called him to be, regardless of the circumstance. He was going to have an excellent spirit because he didn't serve King Darius. He served God Almighty. He was a man after God's own heart because he understood a principle that was much bigger than his current circumstance. And family, you can go through hard stuff and have an excellent spirit because you can begin to understand it's not about this temporary thing that I'm walking through. There is a God that is much bigger. There is a banner over my life that is much bigger than this circumstance that's in front of me. You can go to work well. You can get up well. You can live well. You can have an excellent spirit that people are marked and saying, I know what she's going through. How does she have a smile on her face? Why? Because we know who owns us. We know who we belong to. We know who's in control of our life. We know. We don't just know here. We know here. We know with everything in us. And so these temporary things, the struggles, the hard times, we can walk through them. They don't have to define us. And for Daniel, him being a prisoner in Babylon didn't stop him from being a son of Jehovah. It didn't define him. And so he had an excellent spirit. And he walked before the Lord with excellence. But how many know that his life got harder because he did it? Hello. His life got harder because he did the right thing. He got set up because he did the right thing. Isn't that just like the enemy? 
right? But what did he do? He continued to do the right thing. He continued to push forward in the right thing. He continued to honor God even when it got harder. In this life, you will have trouble given. And if you think that Daniel had some supersonic power that you and I don't have, you are confused. Daniel goes through the line that he gives us one of the greatest accounts in Scripture in the Old Testament of a miracle. But church, the resurrection hadn't happened yet. The resurrection hadn't happened yet. The power of the Holy Spirit hadn't come yet. Daniel had what he had. We have more. We have more. We have the power of the resurrection operating in our life. The same power that raised Christ from the dead is at work today. We have the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. We have the whole book, not half the book. Hello? <laughs> Daniel had half. He had the Holy Spirit come upon him. We have the Holy Spirit living in us. It's a big difference. We have the blood of Jesus. We have the anointing of the cross of Calvary. He didn't have that yet. And yet still, he gives us one of the greatest accounts in scripture. How much more your life? How much more your life, child of God? How much more? There's the arsenal that sits in front of us. And Daniel picked up his arsenal. He had an excellent spirit. He served the Lord continuously. A testimony that everybody can ascribe to. And in the end, all of Babylon knew the testimony of God Jehovah because of his life. Because he understood that what he was walking through was filtered by the Father. And God was going to grant him victory no matter what it looked like. It didn't matter that he got thrown into a den of lions. He knew that he served the line of the tribe of Judah. That was over everything. And he knew it wasn't going to take him out. And so today I want to put three things in your head to help us understand the beauty of the process. The first one is perception. We've said it a couple of times. We're going to say it again. And I need you to understand that whatever you walk through, your victories and your defeats are going to come down to two perceptions. Are you ready? How you perceive the enemy and how you perceive your God. Every victory and every defeat is going to come down to two perceptions. How you perceive your enemy and how you perceive your God. Simple as that. If you view the enemy in front of you, say, I can't do it. This is going to take me out. It will. It will. But if you look at it, say, my God is bigger than you. It's a little different. It's a little different. You see, when they come back around Israel after 40 years, and they have to fight the same giants, by the way. They turn to Caleb, who was one of the two spies that said he was ready to fight 40 years ago. He says, Caleb, you ready? He goes, my sword has been drawn for 40 years. My sword has been drawn for 40. I've been waiting to fight for 40 years. Let's do it. I was ready then. I'm ready now. Let's go. Because he knew. He knew the size of his God. He knew the God he served. So his perception of God was clear, and his perception of his enemy was clear. But if you look at your enemy and you tremble, and you allow your enemy 
to be enormous in your eyes and in your heart, you will tremble. You will shrink back. You won't grow. But if you look at your enemy with the magnifying glass of your God, big difference. So your victories and your defeats depend on your perception of your enemy and the perception of your God. The second point, your posture. What is your posture when you're walking through things? Posture matters. You can't be walking around defeated, church. You can't be walking around falling apart. You can have moments of falling apart. Pick yourself up, wash your face, put your shoulders back, put your head up. You are a child of the Most High God. Walk with that confidence. Walk with that strength. Walk with that understanding. How you doing? Oh, I'm, 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 you know, I'm making it. You're making it? I got 66 books to help you make it a little better. We're not making it. We're thriving. We're declaring the word of God. We're walking with victory. We got our posture upright. So you as a child of God, when you walk through things, have a posture of prayer. Stop trying to figure out everyone's opinion about what you're going through. Find out one person's opinion. Find out his opinion. Get into the word of God. God, what's your opinion? How do I pray, God? How do I seek this out? How do I press into this, God? Become a person of prayer so you can walk through this. What was the testimony of Daniel? May the God that you serve continuously, continuously. They knew he was a man of prayer. They got him because he was a man of prayer. And because he was a man of prayer, he was set free. What they thought they were going to trap him with ended up being his way out. Be a woman or a man of prayer. Pray through your things. Don't talk through your things. Pray through them. Seek God. Sit before him. You know, we, the pastoral, a whole bunch of us went away to Alabama this last weekend. It's five of us, actually. And we get to the airport. You guys know I always have airport stories. So we're in the airport. <laughs> and everything starts going wrong. So I feel like Jonah now. I'm like, I am the reason everything is going wrong again, right? So I turn to the team, and I'm like, I'm sorry, guys. It's me. It's me. And they start laughing. They're like, no, we're in. So flight is canceled. Plane is broken. They can't find another flight. We'll fly you to China to get you to Alabama. I mean, it's like, you know. So we're sitting there for about an hour and a half trying to figure out our flights again. Finally, we get on a plane. We're good. We get on the plane. And this, we're up for about 15, 20 minutes. And this plane starts rocking and rolling, man. It's like, right? Now I know, I heard a million times that that's not dangerous. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. Turbulence is not dangerous, Pastor. I don't believe it. Here's this thing suspended in the air. Nothing's holding it up. And now it's shaking like a maraca. I don't, I don't believe that. It's not dangerous. I've had pilots tell me I don't believe it. So we're on this plane, and it is like, it's dropping and picking and shaking. Nobody can move. You can't go to the bathroom. The stewards are all, you know, they got them with their seatbelts on. Nobody's allowed to even do anything. So we're sitting there, and we're, we got to be cool, right? So we're trying to be cool. But it is shaking up a storm. So we're reading. Each pastor's reading a Bible or a book or whatever that we're reading. And then it really started getting really bad. And I wish someone would have taken a picture because it was so awesome. As we're reading, all you saw was five hands go up like this. At one moment, all five hands went up. And you just heard a little bit of prayer coming out of each pastor's mouth. And the plane went like this. Just leveled off. 
I tell you what, that was so cool. It was so cool. And I said, that's it, right? We're going to walk through things. They're going to rattle and roll. They're going to shake. They're going to tremble. Our posture is prayer. Our posture is to lift our hands and our voice before the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Our posture is to take the authority God has given us as his children and stand and speak and declare. Our job is to be filled with the Holy Spirit and allow his spirit to pray and move through us. That's our posture. Our posture is prayer. Another posture is worship. Child of God, learn to worship. Learn to be a worshiper. You know what worship does? Worship flips everything on its head. It flips everything on its head. When things are going wrong, please don't listen to sad music. It's silly. It don't make no sense. Things are terrible, so you're going to put on music about things that are terrible? It doesn't make any sense. Put on worship. Begin to worship. Worship out loud. Put it on your house when things are going wrong and begin to sing. That, that bill comes, begin to sing over the bill. That medical report comes, begin to pray. Sing, child of God. Sing, child of God. Worship is me saying these circumstances are not bigger than the God I serve. You begin to worship out loud. You begin to march around your house. Say, my family thinks it's crazy. Make them march with you. But you begin to worship. And then you get the right perspective. Your heart begins. Play worship in your car. Play worship when you sleep. Let your heart be filled with worship. Sing unto the Lord. What did God, what did the Lord instruct Israel again and again before every battle? Worship. You know how many times they actually worshiped and they never went to battle? Do a study on that. That by the time they finished worshiping, the enemy had ran away. Come on, church. There's power in worship. And as the people of God, we need to take a posture of worship. We need to take a posture of prayer. We need to take a posture of faith. Does that mean we always get it right? No, we don't. Things rattle us. It's okay. Get up and do it again. Get up and do it again. The mistake is to stay down. Wash your face and do it again. But come in with a posture of understanding whose child you are, who you belong to. You belong to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Walk with that posture. And the last piece is promises. Grab hold of the promises of God. Grab hold of the promises of God. Do you know that your God does not lie? He cannot lie. If he promised something, he will bring it to pass. So you, child of God, need to grab hold of the promises that apply to your circumstance, apply to what you're walking through, and need to hold them with both hands. Until what? Until it comes to pass. Until it comes to pass. You know, for the past nine months, I've been walking through my own deal. About nine months ago, I got very sick, and I stayed sick. I was coughing profusely. I was struggling to breathe. Went to many doctors, and all of them were like, oh, it's this, it's that. Okay, we'll get pounds of medication, pounds of medication. Nothing was working. Nothing was working. All of a sudden, they're like, you know what? We don't even know what this is. I'll send you to a specialist. Great, we went to a specialist. You know what? Maybe we need to go to another specialist. Okay, we, so now four, five, six specialists in. Nobody can figure out what's going on. And the whole time I'm getting worse. My coughing is getting worse. Now I'm having breathing issues. I can't really breathe as well. I'm beginning to get winded pretty quickly. Going up a flight of stairs, I feel like I hit a wall. I actually can't find any air in the room. 
And I'm like, okay, I know how to pray for healing. So I'm pulling up my arsenal and I'm beginning to pray for healing. But it's not moving. So I'm praying again. So I reach out for another arsenal. It's called the church, amen? So I reach out to my family who knows how to pray. And I'm like, hey, need y'all to begin to pray for me. That's an arsenal we have. Do you know the body of Christ is one of your arsenals, amen? So I'm like, sisters, I need you to pray for me. We got you. So now everyone's praying, but nothing's moving. And I'm getting worse, church. Same as Daniel. It's getting worse. I'm doing everything I know to do. Find the doctor because, you know, I, I really don't know. You, the x-ray looks terrible. I don't know what this is. We're going to start thinking maybe this is cancer, maybe this this, maybe it's that. So we begin to search. We begin to look. They say, you know, we're going to send you all your files over to Columbia. They have specialists there. Let's see if they can figure it out. Okay. So we're in the midst of all this, and I begin to pray because my posture is prayer. I'm not going to sit and worry. I'm not going to go on the Internet and Google every possible thing it can be. Amen? Because Google's not my source. Jesus is. So I begin to pray. I said, Lord, what do you want me to do? What's the plan? And the Lord said, I want you to read Psalm 91 over yourself every day. I said, okay. I haven't used that tool before, but I'll use it. I pick it up, and I begin to read Psalm 91 out loud every day. And family, I'm getting worse as I'm doing it. Now my hands are turning blue because I'm not getting enough oxygen. You can throw it up so they can see. My hands now are beginning to get blue. This is actually after it got better. One of my better days, but it was blue. And I'm like, all right. I can't walk from my car to the church, to the stairs of the church, without being winded now. And I'm getting worse. And they're like, we don't even know if we can let you go home because your oxidation is really bad. And I'm just doing what God told me to do, church. I'm reading his word every day, exactly what he told me to do. So I look at my blue hands, and I put my word over my blue hands. You know why? Because this might be the truth, but this is the reality. Big difference. This might be the truth, but this is the reality. So I put it right over it. And I would read Psalm 91, sometimes even winded doing that. But I was like, Lord, I believe you. I'm doing everything I'm supposed to do. I'm going to doctors. I'm doing all. But this is my battle plan. And I stood there, church, four months. Four months of reading. It's four months of declaring God's word. Four months of not seeing anything tangible. Four months with the doctors now saying, you know, if you come in again and this is the slow, we have to admit you. We can't send you home. And nobody can figure out what's wrong. And then on March 9th, which was my worst day, my worst day, I sat in my office and I said, Lord, I don't even know if I can walk down to the car. I don't have the strength. I don't have the breath. And I began to hear in my ear a song. I'm not going to sing it for you because I love you. But... But I started hearing, it's your breath in my lungs. It's your breath in my lungs. It's your breath in my lungs. And I began to feel prayers all around me. And I said, Lord, what am I feeling? He said, you're feeling the prayers that you and everybody has been praying for nine months all at one time. I just began to feel it. Because, you know, prayers have no expiration date, amen? So they now begin to lift all at one time. And I get the strength to go downstairs, but I don't feel better. I just get the strength to go home. And I go home, and I go to sleep. And I wake up on March 10th, and I haven't had a symptom since that day. (laughs) Completely healed. I couldn't do this. I would preach and sit there and lose my breath afterwards. I'd have the anointing to preach, and I'd be messed up afterwards. But today I stand here symptom-free. Why? Because his word is true. 
because his word is true. And his promises are true. He told me to read Psalm 91. I've been reading Psalm 91 my whole life. But until I walked through this, I didn't realize that three times he says, I'll deliver you. I said, Lord, you say this three times. He goes, yeah, it's been there a long time. <laughs> I didn't see it. You know why? Because I didn't need it in that moment. I needed it in this moment. And then what happens? I go to the doctor's office. And I walk in. They go, hey, that's that girl that got healed. Come on. That's the girl that got healed. And all the nurses walk over. The doctor said that Jesus healed you. Right? Yeah. He did. Really? Because they walked with me for nine months. They've seen me in there. They have my charts in front of them. They said, all your x-rays are completely clear. What, what happened? Oh, Jesus happened. Jesus showed up. So now you know that I have turned out so that the whole waiting room can hear me. And everyone else can hear and make a declaration of who God is. Child of God, God has promises for you. Grab a hold of them. Grab a hold of them. Grab them by both hands. Four months of reading the word and seeing no difference. doesn't matter. God's all about the suddenlies. But all he requires from you is for you to grab hold of his word. Say, Lord, I'm going to live right there. I'm going to believe you right there. You know, we get confused. The scripture says no weapon formed against us will prosper, right? But we think that it says no weapon's going to be formed. Plenty of weapons are going to be formed. They're just not going to prosper, church. Plenty of weapons are going to come your way. Plenty of things are going to come your way. Plenty of arrows. Plenty of weapons are going to come. They're going to be formed. They're not going to prosper over you. You've been granted victory, child of God. So it's your job to grab hold of the promises of God with both hands and say, I'm holding here until you produce your perfect will in my life. So today I pray that the word challenged you. But I need you to understand that these are the areas that when we walk through the processes of our life, these are the things that will allow it to be beautiful. My perception, how I view it. My posture, how I walk through it. And looking at the promises that gives me long-range vision of where I'm going to end up. Amen? You bow your heads this morning. And if the worship team can come up. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. With your heads bowed this morning, we're going to do an altar time. And it's real simple. Today, if you need, if you're hearing this word, you say, oh, Pastor, that's me. I got to fix my perception. I got to straighten up my posture. Or I got to learn to grab onto the promises of God. I just want you to stand up right where you are. Say, that's me. I got to fix my perception. I got to change my posture. Or I got to begin to grab onto the promise of God. I just want you to stand up right where you are. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Maybe you're walking through something. You say, I need the promises of God to be reflected in my life. I just want you to stand up. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, God, I need... 
I need to fix how I'm thinking about what I'm walking through, God. I need to perceive you differently, Lord God. I need to perceive my enemy differently, God. I need to adjust my posture, God. I've been given to fear, God. I've been given to discouragement. I've been feeling depressed, God. I want to change that this morning, Lord God. I want to put on a posture of prayer, God, and of worship. God, I'm not holding on to your promises, God. Everything's flipping me left and right, God. Today, I want to grab hold of your promises. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I feel a second altar, so I'm going to give it. There's some of you today that are walking through some really difficult things. And you just need God to meet you this morning at this altar. I want you to stand up. See, I'm walking through. I got my perception right. My posture's okay, but I'm, I'm, I'm struggling today. I need God to meet me this morning. I want you to stand up. I need God to meet me this morning. That's it. Hallelujah. I want you to do one more thing. I want you to come up to the front so we can pray for you. Please don't be afraid. Just come up and allow us to meet you this morning at this altar. Hallelujah. Those that are standing, just come forward. Hallelujah. And as you come up, just lift your hands before the Lord. And let him begin to do a work right now in you, right at this moment. Hallelujah. The presence of the Lord is here. Just let him do a work this morning. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. In the balcony, we'll wait for you if you want to come. Come on down. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Those that are sitting, I want you to stand up with us. Because we're all going to participate this morning in what God's doing. Just stand up and begin to lift your hands before heaven. Just allow this very sacred moment between you and God this morning. Just lift your hands up before the Lord, everybody. And let's just begin, Lord. Just begin to worship Him right now. Just begin to encounter the Holy Spirit. He's present this morning. He wants to meet every person in a powerful way. So just allow Him to meet you this morning. Hallelujah. We give you praise, Jesus. We give you praise. Worthy are you, God. Worthy are you, God. Father, we thank you this morning, Lord God, that you are present in our midst, God, and that no weapon formed against us is going to prosper, Lord God. Father, you told us in this life we will have trouble, but we're to be of good cheer, God, because you, Jesus, have already overcome this world. And so, Father, we lift our hands in faith today. And we lift our hands and surrender, God. Knowing that you're present, knowing that you're able, God. Knowing that you are for us. You are for us, God. If you be for us, who can be against us? Jesus. Come on, church. Begin to lift your voice in this house this morning. Begin to press into the Lord this morning. Hallelujah. Just begin to talk to him. Just open up your mouth and begin to worship him this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, we give you praise. We give you praise. Hallelujah. Faithful God, faithful God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Father, begin to set our perception properly, Lord God. Begin to set our mindset correctly, Lord God. That we would see the way you want us to see, Lord God. We wouldn't see with our flesh eyes today, Lord God. We would see with your eyes, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus. Father, help us, God, to get our posture right, Lord God. Help us to be a people of prayer and of worship, God. Jesus. Help us to grab hold of your promises this morning, Lord God. Believing that you're faithful, Lord God. Believing that whatever we walk through, Lord God, you're going to produce beauty through it, Lord God. We don't have to fear the process, Lord God, because we trust you this morning. worship team lead us in a song and I want you to just lift your hands before the Lord and worship with all your hearts this morning worship as you're worshiping it's your declaration of faith this morning it's your shout church it's your shout do you hear me this morning it's your shout this morning it's your declaration of who your God is this morning begin to take your posture and your stance right now as we worship hallelujah we hope you have been challenged and blessed by this message. For more information, visit us at evangelchurch.com.